This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, the free agency previews continue. We'll talk offensive line, but also turn an eye to skilled positions. And with me this week to share his irrational dislike of French fries on a cheeseburger, it's David Newman. Look, man, they just belong on the side. Like, they, they shouldn't be on the burger. Like, why put them on? Like, why are you trying to do that? Like, hamburgers... And cheeseburgers, French fries, like whatever, they're an excellent, they're a wonderful pairing. We we all know this. They're separate things. Just keep them separate. Why we got to make it one? David and I. Who's, spent, who's in that much of a hurry? Uh, me, this guy. I'm I'm trying to shovel food in my mouth because I grew up with siblings, and if you didn't eat fast, you didn't eat. So I I uh we were we spent Sunday watching football, as one is wont to do. Uh, the Chelsea Football Club was on playing the Man U's. And so we decided, you know what, let's pretend like we haven't been cooped up in a house for a year uh, and go see what it's like to sit outside at a bar. And we did that. And luckily, we were the only people there for a very long time, which made me feel very comfortable. Yes. <laughs> was was but highly at nervous. This place, I this, but yeah, anyway, I was very, very nervous, too. I was ready to pull the ripcord very quickly. Uh, but I got a burger. It was an open face sandwich with Gruyere cheese just smothering the burger and then the French fries on top, almost acting like the top part of the bun. And you could argue that this was not a burger. Maybe you're a structural purist. And, and you could argue that because it didn't have the top bun, it, it was not a burger. I think, you know, whatever. I'm going to play loose and fast here. I'm a maverick. I don't care. I got cheese sauce. I got ground patty, which was actually pretty good. I got bun. I got fries. I could just put it all in my mouth at once. It was great. Expediency. Look, as, as we talked about at the time, like that situation is fine. Like I was fine with the situation you had going in there. The cheese sauce on everything was, looked wonderful. It was it looked very good. Uh, so <laughs> longtime listeners may remember, like I spent uh, a year in Pittsburgh while my wife was going to grad school. And, and there is a, a famous sandwich burger place um, up in Pittsburgh called Primani Bros. And their thing is that they put French fries and coleslaw like on their sandwiches or burgers and it's like hot take here it's not good it's just a it's it's a not good thing but is that a function of perhaps crappy slaw or bad meat or i mean you could have a bad i'm pretty bun. sure i mean it's been a while now i'm pretty sure i had it without the slaw too and like just the front like it's just but no. i mean just, especially just keep if, if you fries you, on the side it's fine if your meat to bun ratio is off that could also screw things up like you know the perfect one dot two meat to bun ratio is where you got everything is off bunny. because the fries are on the burger Everything's off. 
Oh my goodness! But you know what? It's uh, we we survived. Uh, we are we are okay. And I'm drinking today's beer out of this fancy glass that David got me. Actually, it's it's called a Tiku glass, uh, which I appreciate. The only glass I've ever uh, thought actually improves the taste of what I'm drinking are the whiskey glasses that we have, the Norland glasses or yep. the Glencairn glasses, things like that. Uh, this this beer glass might be a good second. Uh, not hashtag not sponsored. This is just me drinking beer out of a glass that looks pretty dope. Pinkies up. Let's get into it, my friend. Hashtag, we will take your sponsor also. We, yeah, so, seriously. I mean, if if anyone who knows Tiku, whatever, yeah, send us. Actually, I think we have to send it to Blue Wired, so I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe just send us free glasses. But anyway, let's talk about some free agency stuff because this is the second in our free agency fits episode. And if you didn't listen to last week's episode, highly recommend you go back and take a listen. We talked about the defensive backfield and some defensive backs. Uh, but if you're not familiar with what our previews look like this season, it's really going to be about what the Niners should do with their own players and then a bit of a comparison with the broader market uh, if we think the team needs to look outside of the organization. When we do talk about like non-49ers options, they really are going to be mid-tier options because the Niners are really not in a position to go after the top free agents anymore outside of, you know, near and dear to our heart, Trent Williams, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But we will still apply the lessons that we've learned from previous seasons to identifying players that are free agency fits. We're going to be looking at production, athleticism, and scheme fit. It's how we found players like Shaq Barrett and one tier from a homie, Jarek McKinnon, uh, that, that were uh, people that the Niners could and eventually did go after. So this week, it's all going to be all about the offensive line. We're going to talk about skill positions. Let's start with the offensive line, and, and let's start first with what the market looks like. Because, David, it looks like there are some people out there to be had if you've got them dollars to spend. Yeah, I think, um, you know, really across the offensive line, the the top of the market seems to be pretty good. But I think, you know, especially at, at tackle, there are a lot of um, you know, pretty solid, like starting caliber options that look like they're going to be available. So you've got, um, you know, Trent Williams, obviously that we're, we're going to get to here in a minute. And I don't know that there's you know, really a ton to say, um, even about him, but he's, he's very obviously the best option at tackle. And, and I say, I think he's kind of clearly above the rest of the pack, but after him, you still have, um, you know, another seven or excuse me, another six tackles that land in the top 100 ranked free agents at PFF, five of those in the top 50. And, and so I think you have, um, you know, a, a good number of players that for, for some reason, something goes astray with getting Trent Williams back in the building. Um, there, there are some other names that they could at least attempt to go after. And this really is position that is a position that is priority number one for the 49ers. We now know that JJ Watt is an Arizona Cardinal source. Well, him via a shirt <laughs> that he posted on the Instagrams and Twitter. Apparently he bought a bunch of shirts from the finalist teams so he could have them ready so that when he signed, he could just conveniently be squatting and right. uh, back squatting and then post that picture, which my question is who took the photo. He's got both hands on the, on the bar, you know, what's going on here? What, what's, what's going on? Is really my question. Maybe but, he set up it with the timer. Who knows? There, there are a lot of options here with what, like a gorilla grip on the bar. Like that's, that's yeah, involved. Maybe it up. I don't know, man. There's a lot of options. He's got, he's got content goals, uh, but the, the, you've now got really Arizona who's got a ferocious pass rush, and, and that's and that's a problem because what we know about 49ers quarterbacks, especially if Jimmy Garoppolo, and it looks like they may run it back with Jimmy Garoppolo unless they you know get a, a rookie up at the top of the draft, uh, or Teddy Bridgewater, <laughs> um, then the uh, then you know pressure is going to be something you're going to want to help 
uh, protect against quarterback. All quarterbacks are going to be worse under pressure. Maybe Jim Garoppolo a bit more so. But tackle is going to be a big deal. Because if you don't have a left tackle, then everything begins to fall apart for the 49ers. They've had those bookend tackles for a while. And I know Mike McGlinch has gotten a lot of crap this season, uh, but he's largely been the same player he was the year before. Like he's he's been the same guy. So if he was good enough last year, he's good enough this year. Um, then or two years ago, I guess, 20, 2019. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a, a really big spot. And and I really do think that Trent Williams should and is, should be priority number one because he is he, he's not just producing, but he's producing in a system. He ticks off all the boxes. Scheme fit. We know he can perform in the system because, well, he has. Athleticism. Did, have you seen him destroy Arizona linebackers? Because if you haven't, check my Twitter. I've got at least two clips of him doing it. Uh, and, of course, he's got the production throughout his career. So, I mean, this this is the guy that you need to go after and the Niners need to make it happen. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you can make a pretty strong argument that the only thing that really matters during this entire free agent period for the 49ers is re-signing Trent Williams. Like, it, it is it is the absolute clear priority number one. Um, and, like again like there's not going to be a better option for all the reasons that you mentioned right for this specific team and and he has all of the makings of a player that uh a, a tackle that like one of the great tackles that can produce and be at play at a high level like well into his 30s right into that mid even maybe late 30s um you know obviously we had questions coming into this season because of the injuries that he had like would he be able to get to, you know, that top status again? Like where, where is he going to come out of those injuries and in that whole situation? Um, he answered those very clearly and, and was, um, you know, really probably the best tackle in the NFL last season. So I think, yeah, there's, you know, we've spent a lot of time, I think talking about Williams over the course of the season and, and how great he's been. And, um, you know, he's just somebody that they have to figure out a way to get him back in the building. It's hard to convey his power and athleticism with words, so I won't try. Instead, I will tell you that we did a video on Trent Williams for the Patreon. Uh, so go to patreon.com forward slash better rivals, and you'll be able to see a video of us breaking down what he does so well and why he is so awesome. But let's say that the Niners cannot re-sign Trent Williams, either because they don't have enough money or he decides he wants to go get paid for maybe his last contract in the NFL. Are there other players out there that the Niners could go get and maybe get a little younger at if they're looking for another tackle that you know may not play as well as Trent Williams, but could also but could solve the problem at tackle? Yeah, so I think the the first name that's kind of in a almost, you know, if Trent Williams is a one man tier one at tackle, like I think Taylor Moton is probably a one man tier two. Like he's kind of separate. He's, he's not quite, you know, to Williams level by any means, but, but he is a little bit, I think above kind of the rest of the class. And then you get another chunk of players and we'll, we'll talk about a couple of them there. But I think, I think Moton is the, the one that, um, you know, it, it, because he's only 26 years old, you know, going to be, I think around 27 by the time the season starts, like he's the one that you could potentially go out and give, you know, he's not going to command as much as Williams is, but he's still going to command, um, you know, kind of a, a higher end dollar amount. And so you can use, if you had that money set aside for Williams that you knew you were going to find a way to, to get that done, you can redirect, you know, most of that to, to Mouton and he's going to be your, your guy that you can set in at tackle, um, you know, you hope for another four or five years or whatever. 
And if you're thinking about a cap-strapped environment in 2021, one way to make the deal a little easier to fit under the 2021 cap is by spreading out that bonus over more years. Well, if you're only signing a player to like a two or three year deal is maybe what you're getting with Trent Williams you, and you then sign someone like Moton instead, you now have the option to, to make more of it of a signing bonus and maybe spread more of it out into years that you may actually see when the salary cap comes back up. So his age is, is a real factor here. And while he is not, I think, the player currently in his career that Trent Williams is, that, that age thing and, and the length of contract is is a very real consideration at this point. Yeah, and and so I think, and then the other main consideration, and this is actually true of you know a couple of these players, one of the other ones that we're going to talk about a little bit, but he is a guy that has played at right tackle um, throughout his NFL career. So he does have some spot action at left tackle, um, but it would be a situation where I think you, you would be looking, if you're bringing him in, I would imagine you want to keep him at right tackle and you're probably because Mike McGlinchey has left tackle starting experience, you know, not in the NFL, but that was where he played in in college at Notre Dame. Like, I think it would make most sense to shift him over to that side. But that still gives you, again, two quality tackles, um, you know, that, that you can kind of book in that offensive line with. You know, when you think about Moton's, when you look at his fit within this scheme, we know that Shanahan needs someone who can be an effective zone run blocker. And that's exactly what he is. He doesn't grade as well as Williams over the past three seasons, but he's still very effective. You may not see the same high-end plays that you get from Trent that make your kind of eyes bug out as you're watching the film where he's just a guy his size shouldn't move that way. It just looks like it's a camera trick. Uh, But he doesn't have a ton of negative plays either, which is good because those are, you you want to avoid negative plays just as much as you want to have those high-end plays. It's valuable to be in the right spot, especially in the run game, because it takes 11 guys to do something really to do something consistently well for a run play to pop. Uh, and if you're not and if you're able to avoid those negative plays, that's still a pretty valuable skill on the offensive line. But of course, the the most important thing, especially a tackle, is going to be how he performs as a pass protector. Um, and so he he's actually has done very well over the last several seasons. Um, it's been probably his his strength as a player. Um, when you look at it, what we at PFF, PFF uh, call true pass sets, um, which are basically it's a way to try to to kind of get rid of some of the fluff that that are snaps where you know offensive linemen either have some sort of um, benefit that's making their job easier or in, in some cases may not really be asked to pass protect at all like on like on screen so you're you're removing things like screens play actions um, designed rollout and then you're looking for situations where the defense is sending at least four pass rushers and you've got a, a normal time to throw which is in that like kind of two to four second range right so it, it really is kind of narrowing in on just what are, are the the standard kind of drop back passes that a team is running and how does a player perform on, in those situations? Um, he's in the 90th percentile among offensive linemen um, over the past three seasons on those type of plays. Um, when you look at uh, the his, his pass blocking grade um, across those snaps over the last three seasons, it's the highest of any free agent, including Trent Williams. Um, and, and he's only allowed a, a pressure rate of under 5% across basically uh, 840 of those snaps. So he's been very, very good in pass protection. And that is certainly, um, you know, a, a strength is, you know, we've said over and over again, that's the strength you want to have. Um, if you're going to have one. Yeah. So he it currently plays for Carolina. So th- there are options out there. If the Niners can't get Williams, 
Do you think, let's say that you had your pick, David, and you could either pick Trent Williams, knowing that he is on the older side of 30, uh, for a football player anyway, dude's 32, still young as a human being, uh, but definitely in football age, uh, maybe not so much. And, and then you've got Moton. They both say, yes, we're going to agree. You know, one's a five-year deal, one's a three-year deal. Um, or maybe it's a you know three-year deal with avoidable fourth or something like that for Trent Williams. Um, which player do you sign if they're signing for the same amount of dollars? Oh, the same amount of dollars, I, I think it's 100% Trent Williams. Um, I think where it gets interesting is if you're talking about Moton being a player that is, I don't know, four or five million dollars less per year. Yeah. It's not it's thirteen million dollars a year as opposed to fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. And, and I mean Williams realistic like he might get twenty a year, you know, like that that could be where he ends up landing and and he would absolutely deserve every bit of that. And so um yeah, I, I think Monon probably comes in a little under that, right? I think it is more in kind of that mid teen range is is probably where he's expected to uh, to land from a salary perspective. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's an interesting conversation, but I, I would still lean, you know, assuming Trent Williams is willing to come back and he's not, you know, trying to extort them essentially like, sure. Yeah. Like let's, let's bring him back. Let's make it happen. The other person here, if, if you kind of go one tier lower is someone called Rick Wagner. That's his real name. It's not a name that he just assumes when he checks into hotels under a pseudonym, uh, Rick Wagner, the tackle for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he didn't have a great year in 2019, uh, but he had a good year in 2020. Another player that plays at right tackle, but if you distill his performance down to those uh, pure uh, kind of pass block, uh, the true sets uh, in 2020, he only had one sack and one hit allowed in 146 snaps. Uh, that's I feel like Wagner is definitely like a, oh my God, everything fell apart. We didn't get Moton or Williams. We're scrambling to get someone, uh, but he is at least someone that we have a, a good scheme fit idea of because the Packers ran the, the you know, a very, very close system to, to Shanahan's with Matt LaFleur. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of the appeal of him, right? It's not that he's um, I think anywhere close to, to being one of the best options on the market, right? It, it's more that once you get beyond Moton, you have kind of a, another tier of veteran players, guys like Russell Kuhn and, and Alejandro Villanueva and Daryl Williams. Um, and Wagner, I think, kind of slots in right below those guys. And so the the benefits, right, is he's going to be cheap. Um, it, it's going to be a short-term, you know, transitional-type option um, to buy you a season or two of, uh, you know, trying to find a guy through the draft or, um, waiting till next year in free agency and hoping that you can find someone or, or whatever it may be, right. Trying to find your, um, left tackle of the future. He, he can kind of come in. He has familiarity with the offense, you know, by playing in, in green Bay and essentially the same system last season. Um, and he is another guy that is stronger as a pass blocker. Um, but when you get to his, his run game, while he's not as good there, it's kind of a similar thing to Motown, right? He's, he's still a solid player and he's not going to have a lot of negative plays that kill you, which is, I think, really the big thing, right? He's going to get you a lot of like, I'm going to do, you know, just enough. I'm, I'm going to cover my guy up, right? I'm going to, going to kind of execute my assignment, but I'm not really moving, you know, above or below that too often is, is kind of where he's at as a run blocker. So I think, yeah, he he's definitely the guy that that is there if you're not able to, you know, pull in one of those top options and you decide like, okay, 
cap money. We don't have a lot of it right now. Like, let's just kind of get a cheap option in here as a short-term solution and and figure it out later. Yeah, I mean, th- this is going to be more of the, we're going to throw, if you can't sign Trent Williams and you can't get someone like Moton, it's going to be a lot of maybe seeing what sticks because now you've got Sean Coleman who's coming back. He opted out of the 2020 season due to COVID. He has been earmarked as the, the team's swing tackle for a long time. And now he's going to reprise that role. He may be someone who would compete with Wagner at the point at which you've signed Wagner and you've got Sean Coleman. You're probably drafting someone in the first or second round. Um, and we know how much Shanahan values tackles. And so it would not surprise me to also pick a tackle in the first round if you end up with someone like Wagner. But it's definitely Williams and Moton at the top. And then a whole lot of, oh my God, I hope you are ready to track that ball coming out of Jimmy's hands in less than two seconds for a whole season. <laughs> Uh, Let's get to center and guard, though, because this is where there's been a lot of hubbub around one person in particular. Um, And and it may be because the market is not super great along the interior line, except for maybe a couple high profile names at center. Yeah, I I think, you know, when you look at center, um, kind of similarly to tackle, you have one guy that is clearly above the rest. In this case, that guy is Corey Lindsley. Um, from also from Green Bay, um, and and he's going to be the guy that you know goes out and you know gets whatever high end would dollars. be a great fit. Yeah, I would love to have that dude. Wonderful fit, but again, you're not um, you're not getting him unless you know you're in a scenario where you don't get a top tackle. Right, Trent Williams isn't coming back. Suddenly, all the money that you had earmarked at, at left tackle is kind of freed up, and you're you're just trying to shuffle things and go with Plan B, and and maybe Plan B is giving some of that money to a center, right? Um, and, and Corey Lindsley would be that guy. But I think we can we can pretty safely assume that's not going to be a direction that they look to. And after that, I think it, it it gets, you know, a little shakier. There are a few names there um, at center that they could potentially look at, but you're, you have no clear home runs. And I think at guard, kind of a similar story, right? You have two high-priced off- options in Scherf and Thune. Um, after that, though, I think it gets even even worse than, than at center. Like, the depth at guard is not good. Yeah, and the center position has recently come under a microscope even further because if you had any any inkling that maybe Wesson Richburg was going to come back for another year and maybe his health issues are behind him. Uh, I think uh, I saw recently that he just had another surgery that is likely imperiling his career, uh, let alone his, his, his able to be on the field next year. So uh, it, uh, Wesson Richburg, I don't think at this way, if you were already on the, like, I'm not sure if I can count on him. I think with this latest surgery, like you put him in the D Ford bucket. I, I don't know that that guy is necessarily even going to be able to play football anymore. And that sucks for him as a human, but it does mean the Niners are in the market for a center. Now, the players that you know, Ben Garland uh, with a sprinkle of Tom Compton over here in the guard spot. Now, Tom Compton, all we'll say about him is that he can go get money somewhere else. What we'll say about Ben Garland it, it is really, it, I think that is, is an interesting player to me because, of course, the player that's been talked about with the Niners so far this year has been Alex Mack. Alex Mack is 35 years old. He is a free agent. He's the player that made uh, that really was a linchpin for that offensive line in Atlanta in 2016. And that year, he was the best center in football. But we are now four or five years removed from 2016. And Alex Mack is on the down, like the downslope of his career. Um, he's gotten worse every year over the last couple of years. And I think the question that, that I would have, and maybe a lot of 49ers I would have as well, is whether or not his downslope is coinciding with where Ben Garland is 
And if the price that you're going to pay for each one of those may not be commensurate with their performance on the field, because Ben Garland has played decently well in the time that he's played, certainly not, you know, a, a top center, not, you're not going to confuse him for like a top 10 guy, but he's performed admirably, admirably well when he's been asked to play. Uh, and so if you're comparing Ben Garland, you know, against Alex Mack, where they are career trajectory wise, which one do you take? I think a lot of it comes down to what you're paying Mac, right? And and how much he thinks he he is worth at this stage in his career. So I I don't think there's any question that um you you should have no uh idea that you're gonna get a, a kind of top end Alex Mack, right? You're not getting that P player. Like he is he has been in decline pretty steadily. Um, you know, since uh, that 2017 season. So like Shanahan, right, was there obviously with him in 2016. He was still very good. I think the best center in, in the league in, in, by PFF grade in 2017, um, that following season. Um, but since then has seen just a steady, steep decline um, in, in his kind of season by season grades to, to the point where he was at 65.9, um, which is a very just kind of like middling average performance, right? And so I think you could still get one more season at that level. Like I, I think there's a, a good chance that you get one more like kind of solid average season out of Alex Mack before he kind of chooses to hang it up. Um, and, and if that comes at a pretty reasonable cost, I think, I think that's still better than what you're getting from Garland. Cause I think there's just a little bit more hope that he can be a better pass protector. Like Garland, I, I think has been very solid as a run, blocker. run blocker. Yeah. yeah. And, and he does well with kind of the zone stuff that they do and, and all that. Um, but as a, a pass protector, that's where he's kind of been a liability. And so I think there's, there's some hope that Mac gives you at least some improvement there. Um, but yeah, you, Mac is, is not a guy that you should be paying a lot of money at this stage in his career. Yeah, and I mean, when you when you say a lot of money, like you you think about what he could make on a one year deal is six million more than you're wanting to pay five four million. I feel like two to three million is real cheap, real real cheap. So I don't know that Mac is coming in at that two to three million dollar range. You're probably looking at paying him, you know, six or seven million dollars uh, over, and you're probably doing it over two years to be able to spread some of it out because you're you're not necessarily going to try to take all that hit in one year because of the reduced cap. And whether or not he plays that second year is a different story. But so you're talking about maybe a $3 million difference between someone like him and Ben Garland is, is there, you're, you're hoping at that point that the performance is going to be worth $3 million uh, in, in difference. And, and that, that I think it's, it's not as, it's not as far off as I think maybe people think, like, I, I don't think that it's just necessarily a given that you're going to get a $3 million better Alex Mack than, than Ben Garland. I mean, and, and that's, I think, totally fair. Uh, I, I think if you can get Mac in that five, six million dollar range, you probably still like, yeah, you probably still do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I think it's certainly fair to say um, that that you might not be getting a lot of extra value from that money. But I, I see like the the lure and wanting to have like a solid, reliable option at center, right? Because as we've talked about in the past, like the the center position does so much more than just like their individual blocks, right? Like they, they are the guys that like with Mac, you are getting a guy where mental processing wise, getting the offensive line and the right protections, getting them, um, you know, ID correctly on, on your run plays, like doing all those sorts of things is going to be like 
you know, better than anyone probably. And, and that's some of the stuff that we saw the Niners offensive line struggle with, especially early on when, when a lot of times people were saying, you know, oh, these players are doing very, very poorly. And, and you even see someone running unblocked through a gap that maybe Trent Williams was, was, was responsible for. You look at the protection scheme and you're like, what are they doing? That makes no sense. And it's likely because they, they ID'd a front wrong or they had something break down and they just, people were not on the same page. And a lot of that falls on the center shoulders in the 49ers scheme. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think it, there is, you know, um, benefit there. It, it's spending a little bit of extra money to get uh, somebody who just has a, a greater chance of being a solid every week performer for you. And, and they can bring kind of that mental aspect um, to, to where you feel confident that your guys are going to be getting into the right right assignments and, and getting to um, you know, the right protections and, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, I, I think it, and it can alleviate, you know, especially if you end up with, with Jimmy at quarterback still like can, can take, you know, it's one less thing off his plate potentially that you give, uh, you know, in the pre-snap that you take away from him and you give that to somebody like Mac, or at least you're having Mac help out considerably with that. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I think there are definitely some benefits that go beyond his ability just as a pure like blocker. Now, let's say the Niners were to go beyond the Alex Mack, Ben Garland world. They would likely look at options like maybe John Feliciano, who has one of my favorite names in football, because it reminds me of Jose Feliciano, who is a musical artiste. Uh, He's like the Latin Stevie Wonder, basically, if you're not familiar. (laughs) Uh, Blind, big glasses, dope guitar. Your grandparents and probably parents, if they speak Spanish, know who he is and likely love him. Uh, but but if you're not going to go with Alex Mack, uh, yeah, you're probably looking at someone like uh, maybe John Feliciano, uh, David Andrews, Austin Ryder, uh, other center options. Uh, David, what are what are some of your notes on those dudes? Yeah, so I think Andrews is probably a guy that is only going to be on the table if if they end up going with a non-Trent Williams option at left tackle, right? I, I think he is the guy that is kind of like probably the clear second option at center behind Lindsley. Um, and so, you know, if you're, you're spending the money that you're expecting to spend at left tackle, he's probably going to be out of your price range, but uh, you wanted to throw his name out there, you know, in case things don't really go t- uh, to, to plan, he could be somebody that they look to bring in that is a little bit younger and, and has, I think more runway, right? He, you can, you can bring him in expecting him to, to be around and be a good performer for you for, you know, another three, four years or, or whatever it may be. I think, um, Austin Ryder is, is somebody that is a better pass protector than he is a run blocker, right? Which is always going to draw at least our attention to him. Um, you know, he was the, the highest graded, uh, center on those true pass sets over the last three seasons among this free agent class. Um, but the downside with him is, is that you, um, don't have the same sort of strong zone run blocking that they really typically like at that position. Um, but those are, yeah, some names to keep in mind. Feliciano, I think is more of, uh, he's a guard, a guard right? spot. Yeah. yeah. He would be the new Tom Compton, right? He's yeah. the, the guy who maybe has some center experience, uh, who, you know, was a backup for a while, then finally a starter for two years, doesn't have super high end tape, but he is versatile. And the one thing he does really, really well is zone run blocking. And, and that's what the Niners look for. So he's one of those guys that is kind of like the, the, the scheme fit that fits what the Niners want to do when they're, you know, kind of, if you think they're going to be a run first team and a lot of zone runs, he does that one thing really, really well. The only problem with him is that his pass blocking is not 
super duper great, not more so than maybe, I don't know, a second year rookie at that position. Uh, so that's that's where you're you're likely having some some you know potential issues with signing him as as an option or a clear option at right guard. But yeah, if you're looking for a new Tom Compton, it is it is Feliciano is really what's going on. Yeah, I I don't think and and just in general, I mean, like he's a you know a name that we wanted to call out for sure because of uh, at least he has that kind of zone run blocking. Um, pedigree that that we know could be appealing to them, but but really there's not a lot of great options at guard for this team um, in, in free agency. Like I, I just don't think they're going to find somebody who can give them reliable production at that spot in free agency. And so yeah, I think they're they're hoping either for one of the the internal options to be able to kind of. Uh, continue to develop and and be able to slide into that spot and give them a little bit of a boost or you're you're looking you know into the draft again um, which I haven't looked at the kind of this guard class or anything like that I'm sure we'll spend some time on that later but um, yeah you're you're, you're looking for other avenues because I don't think there's a lot there um, in free agency all right let's get to the skill positions the fun stuff but before we get to the skill positions we're going to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast at the next level, the next level, because we know that everyone, RH David, has a podcast. Everyone. Feels like it. everyone starting a podcast, uh, and why not get a little, a uh, little assistance, a little guidance? Uh, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q and A's with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e learning course full of tips and tricks. You know, David, it strikes me that we haven't been asked to be a part of any of these Q and A's. I was just going to say, I'm still waiting for my invite. Like, uh, uh, where, you know, where are I'm, we at here? I'm not here for the slander. Uh, and or, you know what? Really, maybe people just haven't applied, and so there there are no need to get the word out. Is is what we're doing exactly right now? Because uh, on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is uh, Q and A's with us. No, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited. Word on the street is harder to get into this program than it is to get into Harvard. At least that's what Apple will tell you. So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, as long as I remember to put it in there, because I didn't last week. Uh, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, David, let's get to these skill positions. What are the Niners in the market for? We've got all the skill positions unlocked. Got George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. We don't need no skill positions. I mean... End of episode, right? I think that's about that's about it. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, <laughs> seriously, they they should uh, feel pretty good about where they're at um, from a skill position standpoint. I mean, obviously, you you've taken wide receivers highly in the last few drafts, and and you have I think two guys that we feel like they can rely on in in Debo Samuel and in Brandon Ayuk. Um, you've got you know obviously George Kittle, who's going to be your top target as long as he's, you know, healthy and on the field. And, and so you feel pretty good about that kind of trio leading your passing attack. We know that Shanahan's going to find guys, you know, um, out of the backfield that are going to get involved and, and that sort of thing. So I think largely they're, they're in a better spot than we've, 
um, you know, Benin really, I think every, you know, off season since Shanahan took over, essentially, we've been pretty hyper-focused on, on getting kind of some passing targets for this offense and, and getting some guys, um, that can really be reliable on the outside for you and, and all that sort of thing. And so you're, you're finally, you know, in a spot where you've answered some of those questions. So thankfully they don't need a whole lot, but obviously I think there, there's one name in particular, um, that the 49ers are, are going to be looking to bring back and, and we're going to have a little fun talking about him. You're forgetting about the most important skill position. Uh, and I'm talking about skill positions, uh, as my parents would say, entre comillas, uh, the old Spanish air quotes for skill. Uh, but that is one Mr. Kyle Juszczyk. Kyle Juszczyk is a free agent. I don't know if you've heard. He is the only reason the 49ers score points. And the, the Niners have been on the full court press trying to woo juice. I, I think it was good for Mike McDaniel to be the offensive coordinator because he has a really good relationship with juice. I think that helps. You've got George Kittle, who allegedly, per Juszczyk, has been sending Juszczyk a direct message just about every day, trying to get, I'm assuming some version <laughs> of, trying to get him to stay. And, and we've talked around Kyle Juszczyk for the last couple of years. After he signed his big contract, we did, we did a piece back then. But now we've got three years of data on Kyle Juszczyk. And I think a lot of people are going gonna, are gonna to say, oh, he's pivotal to what the Niners do. He, you know, he's a must-sign. The Niners got value out of his you know, $20 million contract over the course of, of three years. There are lots of other people, I think you, you would put us in, in that camp as well, who said the Niners overpaid for that fullback. Uh, they just paid way too much. And, and while he's a fine player, he you know, doesn't necessarily bring value based on what you paid for him. And now you're in a world where you don't have enough dollars to throw $20 million at a fullback because you're not just flush with cash. You have to make decisions about who you pay. And, and the Niners are now faced with a decision on, on whether or not to pay Kyle Juszczyk. And so the, 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 the way that we want to frame this discussion is really about the context of fullbacks because I was listening to a, a conversation. I think Howard Cosell had a, a good actually interview. I was Greg listening to it. It was, Cosell. It was a, a Greg Cosell, not Howard. That guy. Life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Greg Cosell, uh, he had a good conversation with David Lombardi that was in The Athletic. And one thing I think that Cosell pointed out that really I want to use as kind of the framing point for this conversation is that what a lot of fans don't often have the luxury of is context. They often see a limited sample set of things, players, teams, whatever, because they just don't have the time, desire, or want to look at a huge wide array of what teams are doing, what players are like, or what positions are doing. And luckily, we have someone on this show that has watched probably, he was forgotten more football than I have probably ever seen. And that is one Mr. David Newman. Uh, and so I feel like, David, you're uniquely qualified to tell us, you know, to, to help answer the first question, which is, is, is the, the skill set that Juszczyk brings to the 49ers so unique that he requires a high dollar contract. Look, I'm going to answer that, but I want to start. I want to start on a positive note. You know, we're 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 trying. I'm trying to be more positive here. And, and so, Juice, I think, like we're we're not here to shit on Juice, even though it's going to sound in a minute like I'm just going to spend five minutes shitting on Juice. You're going to um, do no, the no disrespect thing. The no disrespect. <laughs> um, but like, look, he he is. I think he's a good football player. Um, 
like that that much i think is true um he by all accounts seems to be a good human being and and somebody who uh his teammates enjoy like being on the team and and you 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 know having guys like kittle that are that concerned about keeping around your fullback like i think says something about who you are as a person and how you kind of fit with this team right i want to create a new bucket of player we'll call him the ted lasso bucket of of players now that you've seen ted lasso you finally know what i'm talking about but like this is just like the feel-good player the person that like you know that you want as a part of your locker room because they're they're good at what they do and they're also a good person they get put in the ted lasso bucket use check is in the ted lasso bucket and and, and so i think those things and, and like that's not an insignificant thing right it absolutely should be a part of the conversation and and, and part of the decision making process for um you know lynch and shanahan but I think when we get back to that is what he brings to the table. Um, rare. I think the the thing that is difficult, and I think the the thing for fans especially who see and you hear about this guy, like he's doing things that nobody else is doing. And and it kind of is like, it really is like a chicken or egg thing, right? Is, is Juszczyk doing these things that are unique because he is unique and he brings a unique skill set to the table? Or is he doing that because he is in the only situation in the NFL that has a player that has a spot in their offense that is allowing a player to do these things? And I I think it's really more that, right? Like there is just no real comparison for him. Like there's nobody in the league that is doing the same sort of things with a fullback that the 49ers have been doing with Kyle Shanahan. And, and, And so I think when you, you know, one of the things that I think gets brought up a lot, right, is his receiving ability as a fullback and and you hear things like how far ahead um you know he is in in receiving yards among fullbacks and targets and receptions and all of these things right but when you you look at just the opportunity that's there over his four seasons with the 49ers when he's been lined up as some sort of fullback position he has just shy of 300 routes run from those positions so 299 the next closest player is at 188, and there are only even three players that crack 100 in that. He has 76 targets on those, and again, the next closest is less than half that, 31. Only three players that even crack 20. Like He is getting volume and opportunity that simply doesn't exist anywhere else. And, and so, yes, it looks like he is giving you this production that is so much better than any other fullback, but like... The dude has just over 600 yards receiving in four seasons. Like, are you telling me that you can't find 150 yards a season anywhere else in your offense? Like, he he's just not adding anything that when, if you were to compare him, I think, to, say, tight ends, right? Because you see a lot of tight ends, like, if teams are going to, um, you know, try to get more of a fullback in there, a lot of times what they're going to do is use a, a tight end that was motion in the backfield or, or whatever it is. Um, when you start comparing him to those type of players, his production and in, in his skill level becomes, I think, a lot more just kind of mediocre in the middle of the pack. And, and I think that the if you're trying to make the positive argument for Juice, it's that he's able to do those things receiving, but he's also able to do similar things or he's able to do good things as a blocker. He's unique in the the blocking scheme for the run game that that those two things combined make him exceptionally unique. But Juszczyk isn't exactly like the best run blocker out on the field. There are some games where he's not actually even very good as a run blocker. They're, they're it's all- the not liking it very much. Like I yeah. he's had uh, quotes where, you know, like ask him like what, because, you know, people expect the fullback. Oh, I love 
fucking meeting that linebacker and getting a concussion in the hole. Like, fuck yeah. And, and he's like, Nah, man, I want to catch like a deep ball. Um, He's got that Ivy League brain, man. Yeah. He's like, he knows what's important and it's not necessarily the run game. And and so I do think that there is value in having a a fullback, but I don't know that his unique combination of like mediocre run blocking and plus athleticism for the receiving game is something that you can't find either via a second tight end or via another fullback that you maybe just find an athletic player who's able to do it. This is why, and I think the Niners know this to a certain degree, because this is why they get someone like Josh Hokett, who is, you know, kind of like the juice apparent, and maybe it takes some time to get him skill-wise and knowledge-wise up to that level, but I think the Niners are eventually preparing for a life without Kyle Juszczyk, and unfortunately, the, the thing that we also have too is we have snaps where Kyle Juszczyk is injured, where the Niners' offense also operates fine. And, and, and so we have, you know, I think it is okay to love Kyle Juszczyk, the player, and it's okay to love Kyle Juszczyk, the person, and it's okay to be like, yeah, this guy does some wonderful things in this offense, but also understand that within the larger context of football, he's not necessarily incredibly unique, and the Niners may be able to find someone else at a cheaper dollar amount that could do a lot of the similar things. Like, he is, by all accounts, a very fun player to watch. Like, he he's a guy that you want to be able to root for, right? Like, there, there's, there's no question that he has been a lot of fun, like, having on this team. That does not make him worth $5 million a year. Like, it, it's just not. When, when you're talking about, you know, the, the other spots that this team is going to have to fill in free agency, we've talked a bunch of times, right, about just the sheer number of, of pending free agents that they have and the the little cap space that they have to try and, and fill all those spots, right? Like they, they no longer have the luxury to spend that much money on a player who they really like, who they like the way he fits and, and does all things without getting production that matches that dollar amount. Yeah, especially considering that this year in, in 2020, he only had 28 pass block snaps the vast majority of snaps that he had were as a run blocker. And as a run blocker, he was just okay. Like usually pass blocking is kind of his hallmark. He had, when he was at Baltimore, he had an elite pass blocking grade. And that's what you thought you were getting with Juice. It's like, this is the guy who doesn't need to come off the field on pass snaps because he is such a plus pass blocker. And and that wasn't the case in 2020. He was not that guy. And so now it's like, I'm not getting pass blocking. I'm getting some receiving threat, but I'm also not getting a run blocker. Sounds a lot like a move tight end. Right. And and once you start, once you like just realize that all he's doing is mostly tight end things from a backfield position sometimes, which I mean, and, and again, that's sometimes and it's most, I guess most of the time is, is probably the better way to phrase it. Like he is in the backfield on, on a majority of snaps, but um, you know, obviously they like to move him around too. He does play snaps at a tight end position, um, every once in a while, usually you get a, you know, a handful of snaps a game or so, um, where he's motioning out wide or in the slot or, or whatever it may be. Like these are things that a tight end does. And, and yeah, there are different blocks. Um, you know, you, if you think about a tight end in line, like George Kittle, um, you know, they're taking on I, what I would really say it's probably more difficult blocks. I mean, I guess it's, it's really just, they're different, but you, you that inline tight end, right. You're having to go against a lot of times, um, 
big ass defensive ends that are a lot bigger and stronger than you. Um, or, you know, with the 49ers being a team that spends so much time in those kind of heavier personnel groupings, they get more base defense. Um, and so, you know, maybe as a tight end, you're seeing that strong side linebacker come down and that's a guy that you're blocking right on the line of scrimmage. And, and the blocks that you're executing are a lot more similar to offensive line blocks from a, a technique perspective. Whereas, you know, with the fullback, your blocks are on the move. A lot of times you're targeting, you know, more of an off ball linebacker. Um, and so you've got to be able to like, you know, find a guy in space and, um, you know, it, the angles are, are a little bit more difficult. And so it, it is a different thing. Uh, it's a different skill set. Like a, 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 a tight end that's a good run blocker isn't necessarily automatically going to be, um, you know, a great blocker at fullback. But, but it's not like that different, right? I think like largely you can, you can make the adjustment and you can get a tight end that adds the same sort of value as a receiver and can do the same sort of things. Cause like, let's be honest, most of the time as a receiver, he's either just running empty into the like wide open into the flat from a play action, or he's on some sort of like leak play, right? Where he's, he's getting he's on wide that rail open. route. Yeah. He's and, on that rail route. He's on that wheel route. Like that's what he his. It's not like it's his route running. That's necessarily exactly. causing him to get open. Yep. It's because Kyle Shanahan is like calling a play where he's running a vertical route from a position where you wouldn't necessarily ex- expect him to be a vertical route. And honestly, I think that's the thing that Kyle Juszczyk brings more than anything is just it's deception. It's the ability to not tip your hand from a formation because Kyle Juszczyk is traditionally a fullback. And and that's, and that's that is not necessarily unique to Kyle Juszczyk. You can bring another fullback in who is primarily a run blocker who gets a couple of targets, you know, every now and again, and who's able to do that fairly well. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily all that unique, but I think if, if for some reason the Niners aren't able to hang on a Cal use check, because again, Ivy league brain, he's going to make some monies. So let's say that he decides he's going to go to New York and get paid another $23 million and be probably the highest. He like, he found out how to make money as a running back in the world in which running backs aren't getting paid. That, that is astounding. Like let's let's not just talk about Juice as a player and Juice as a human, but let's talk about Juice as a market-breaking player when it comes to a position that is no longer market-breaking. This dude is amazing in lots of ways. But let's say the Niners can't retain Juice, and let's say they have to go to a different set of players in order to fill his role. Where do they go, and what type of player are they going to get? Yeah, you have a few options. Um, you know, the the one that I don't know is maybe their best option because I don't know that they have a lot of great players that that could potentially fill this role. But you know, you really could look to get, and they've had to do this right during times when Juice has been injured. But you have one of your backup tight ends largely fill that role and and play those same snaps, right? I think that's kind of the the easiest. We don't have to go out and get anyone. We can you know just fill that role with the guys we have in-house. And, and so I think that's the first one. Um, when you go out to the free agent market, the options are pretty limited because, again, like I mentioned earlier, there just aren't guys out there doing this. Like, I, I think right now, according to Over the uh, over the Cap, there are four players, including Juice, um, with a position designation of fullback that are set to be unrestricted free agents. And uh, the the beyond juice, the guy with the most snaps played like 19% of his team snaps last season. Like, so there just aren't guys out there, right? So I think, 
you're you're probably looking at bringing in another tight end that you feel like um, can do some of those same things. And, and that's and, and I think you can look at a combination of that, right? So if you bring in maybe another tight end to fill uh, you know some of those snaps and get some of those backfield snaps, you can also look to adjust your approach a little bit and look to use more two tight end sets, which we've seen teams, you know, uh, is the branches of the Shanahan scheme, um, you know, start to pop up all over the place. And and we've seen this with McVay, you know, um, started doing this uh, in, in Los Angeles, right? Like running more two tight end sets and, and doing some of that. And so um, it is a little bit different. I know that Shanahan is, is kind of openly said, um, you know, that he likes having a fullback because there are some things that, it does with the run game um, that, you know, in terms of the angles it creates and, and the things that it can do for uh, the rest of your blockers up there that he really appreciates. So, um, you know, I don't expect him to get rid of that completely, but I think you could, you know, move that needle a little bit more towards two tight end sets and, and using just a single back in the backfield. Yeah, I think if, if you're looking at a couple of names here, like, I, I don't know that. And, and again, this is moving away from having an actual fullback. It's going back to more of a two tight end set. But someone like Gerald Everett, who's fairly young, he is a move tight end that you could target. You could target someone late in the draft. I mean, I also come back to the idea that if, if fullback is such a pivotal position that the Niners cannot live without, we, we know what they do with those positions. They have or they try to have a lot of them in reserve like they do at tackle, right? The, the swing tackle has always been a thing that the Niners have had. I mean, Sean Coleman's been around. Dan Brunskill was originally going to be a swing tackle. You've got Trent Williams. It's like you, you try to have that pipeline of players because you know that if one goes down, you need an answer there. And the Niners haven't really done that with fullback. It's been like, cool, here's our guy. But if that guy goes down, it's fine. We don't even need another one on the roster <laughs> because you can't like, where are you finding them? Right. So like, this is, that's the thing, right. Is in, I think with this approach long-term is um, you don't have guys that are doing this very, very many places. Like if you look at the college game, there aren't fullbacks. Like you do see teams, I think that, that are, have started going to, um, you know, more of a, a like 20 personnel setup where they, they do have two backfield players and then three wide receivers. But a lot of times that second backfield player, if it's not just a pure running back that they're trying to get like two, you know, their, their top athletes out there and, and do interesting things with them that way, if they're trying to get more of a blocking type, a lot of times that guy is a tight end and he really is, you know, playing more tight end stuff. Like he's not really in a true, because you know, some of these teams are in the shotgun and all that. Like uh, he, he really is like, up closer to the line of scrimmage like a, like a, a tight end would be you know he just kind of happens to be lined up between the tackles so you see teams like doing things like that but there's no pipeline for fullbacks because nobody fucking uses them anymore so you know time is a flat circle and all those things bringing this all this back around before we get to maybe a little bit of wide receiver talk does maybe that then justify paying juice a whole lot of money because while his skill set is not scarce his position is scarce like that, because that's that's I mean, look, if I'm listening to you talk about there not being a pipeline of fullbacks and you can't find these players and all of a sudden, you know, you, you just can't do it. Then why wouldn't there be a scarce market for fullbacks that I would then pay up for? There is a scarce market, but I think the leverage in this case should be and I don't know if they'll use it and, and whether they'll. But the leverage is with the 49ers. If I'm use check, this is the only fucking team that I can go to that's going to use me. 
in a way that fits my skills and that's going to give me a significant amount of playing time. And, and unfortunately, he's the still, proliferation the proliferation of the Shanahan offense so is kind of is what Big Brain Usechek is saying. He's like, well, I can go to New York and get paid. Well, I can go to Green Bay and get paid. Well, I can go to uh, let's see who else. Uh, Denver no longer because Gangarello's not there. I can go to Vikings and get paid. Uh, I can go to but, Cleveland but, I mean, and get paid. Assuming right that those teams want to use a fullback as much as Shanahan does, and that when and then if they that they're again willing to pay for him and then willing to use like even though those teams right use a fullback, the only team that really uses a fullback in in the ballpark that the 49ers do is like Ben New England, right? And they still don't even use like that. It's not a player in their offense that has um, gotten a lot of, of volume, right? They, they have guys like Devlin, right? Who have kind of played a lot of fullback and they'll split them out wide every once in a while, but they're not doing much from a, a production or volume standpoint. Um, and even then like that, and that's the other thing too, right? Is like, this is a guy that is getting about 500 snaps a season. Like he he is he's getting what I, I think that probably works out to about sixty percent of your your snaps over the course of the season. Like he's not even somebody that's going to be out there every every snap. Like there he doesn't have many other places that he can go where he's going to get the same sort of opportunity. And, and so like if that's what he wants, like if he wants to be involved in the offense and be uh, a player that continues to get the level of volume that he's got in San Francisco, there is no other market for him. That there is no other place that he can go, even some of these other Shanahan places that I think that are going to pay him and use him in that role. Like, and, and so I think the 49ers should realize that they have the leverage. I don't know that they will use that and and that, that it'll work out that way. Um, but yeah, like th- this is a, a one-team market if you're looking for this specific role that he's been here and doing the last four seasons. Uh, let's get the free agents uh, at the wide receiver position real quick. There's, there's oh, not a lot. One... one Quick thing, not juice related, but replacement juice related. Uh, just one name I wanted to throw out there that I just realized was was available um, that I think could be a little interesting is Trey Burton. Would be very cheap. Uh, I remember yeah. he was like kind of highly coveted, right? Uh, because he, when he was with Philadelphia, kind of impressed in, in more of a small sample size, like kind of secondary role there. Went to try to be, you know, the the number one guy and, and the big tight end target. Uh, in Chicago and obviously that didn't work out well. And so now he's kind of coming back in a very depressed market for him, um, bringing him potentially back. Who's only, you know, he's only 29 years old right now to be a secondary type option again. Like, I don't know if, if you're looking for somebody that's out there, like he's a guy that has done some of those types of things in the past that you might look to. Yeah. And the last thing I will say is juice related. Uh, I don't know that it's a one team market. I think it's a two team market. I think the jets are the other team. And all it takes is another team to drive up that price. And they got the money. So, like, hey, go get if if that's what you're trying to get, go get that money. Like, let New York be the team that pays it. They should they were the team that tried to pay him the first time. Yeah. I'm saying they finally I think they finally get their guy. And uh and now you've got two tight ends to worry about for the 49ers. But all right, let's talk about wide receiver really quickly. Not a lot of time left and not a lot to say here because the Niners have, I think. Uh, a pretty good crop of starting wide receivers. And then you add George Kittle into the mix and you've got three good pass catchers. But it's really a story of Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne is is a good story. He's someone who's gotten better over the course of his career, but he is now a free agent. Trent Taylor is the other person who's a, a player here, but I think Trent Taylor, while another player that we love, the, the player, love the human, love his hard hats, love the fact that he 
stands up in pictures to be taller because I know that life. I get it. I understand him at a visceral level. Uh, but I don't think that he's going to be a 49er next year. So you've got Kendrick Bourne. Uh, is there someone out on the open market that you think may be able to provide what Kendrick Bourne is able to provide if the Niners are not able to re-sign him? Um, so yeah, I don't think there there are a lot of names that are like that interesting. I mean, there, there are definitely some veteran players that they could look at. And it, again, anyone that they bring in is is going to be very likely what the fourth receiving option at best um, on, on this team, assuming everybody's healthy. Um, and, and so I think if you look at what, okay, what does Kendrick Bourne do? He's like mostly an outside guy. He's a decent ish route runner, right? He, he kind of, he doesn't, he, he doesn't have the best physical tools necessarily, but he does like, you know, find a way to get open and, and um, you know, be somebody that's uh, a target, like in the middle of the field. Right. I think uh, Richard Higgins, to me is an interesting name um, that shouldn't cost much money at all. Probably, you know, you're looking at a short-term deal um, only, only a few million, few million dollars per season. Um, but I think he is a, another type of player that like doesn't have the same sort of like elite athleticism at that position, but is just a guy that I think is pretty good uh, at getting open and like finding a way to get open. And obviously he hasn't, um, you know, didn't produce super well in, in Cleveland at all times, but I think he wasn't always like given a lot of opportunity in that offense for a variety of different reasons, depending on the season. But I think when, when he did get some chances, I think there were some, uh, promising signs and he's still very young. I think he's 26 years old, um, right now. And, and so I think if, um, you know, if I want to say he's maybe had some like off the field concerns, as well or like yeah i think questions or he got arrested for drag racing cool um so i, I think yeah if, if not uh, not arrested sorry cited cited mm-hmm. for drag racing which i mean look one of these days maybe i'll tell you the story about the time i had to run away from police officers because i was at a drag race back in back in my youth <laughs> the youths um yeah if shanahan lynch like feel confident in in that respect um, that they can can bring him in and he's not going to be an issue there. Like, um, I think he is an interesting, like, younger player that should be available cheaply. Yeah, and the only other player I would throw on this pile of, of fire is Keelan Cole. Uh, he's someone who, honestly, the thing that jumps out about Cole is that he is in the 60th percentile at creating separation against single coverage. And often the Niners are going to suffer from you know, especially if their wide receivers are injured. We saw this last year. They didn't have anyone who could beat single coverage. Uh, and Cole's someone who has experience playing along, you know, kind of in the slot and outside. But um, he's someone who, especially at a modest kind of in that, you know, four or five million dollars a year, if Bourne's able to generate, you know, six, seven million dollars a year for whatever reason, uh, that could be a, a good depth receiver who's got experience. He's a little older um, and, and is good at the route running piece that Shanahan does covet, which is ultimately separation. I think, um, again, finally, though, this offseason isn't one where we need to be overly concerned with their ability to bring in an impact player at wide receiver. Yeah, finally. Thank God. Here we are. Two wide receivers in a kittle. <laughs> and that's uh, and that's where we'll end the, the show this week. Uh, thanks, as always, for tuning in. You can always find me on the Twitters at Better Rivals. David, where can they find you? And by find, I mean, how do they get to the Patreon? 
Yeah, I mean, you can probably find me on Twitter, but you're not going to find much activity there. Um, so in, instead, patreon.com slash betterrivals. Um, it's been a little quiet. Life has been uh, a little um, problematic, I guess, uh, <laughs> in the new year. It, at times, hasn't given us a whole lot of free time, me a lot of free time in particular. Um, it, Look, but it's it, the Hunger Games out here in Texas, man. It's the Hunger Games. You got to fight for power. Yeah. You got to fight to flush toilets. You gotta you gotta heat your house by you rubbing sticks about together. Fucking people putting fries on cheeseburgers, like it's tough out here. Bro, you gotta hustle for a vaccine. Like yeah. I'm out here trying to volunteer and get like that extra dose. You know, like I'm over here like Dave Chappelle scratching my neck. Like y'all got any more than vaccines? Like it's it's look, this is what freedom is all about. It's it's about the <laughs> Hunger Games and fighting your fellow Texan to get the the basic things that you need to survive is is where we're at okay it's accurate yeah we, we <laughs> all that to say there have been some uh higher priorities unfortunately than than paying attention to uh football in february and so that that though hopefully should change you know as we get rolling um into free agency and then draft season in earnest here in a couple weeks um we we will definitely have content on there anybody that the 49ers do um, you know, look to sign and add in free agency. We will be talking about them on our Patreon, and, and that's always going to be a place where we can add some additional context with video examples. And, and so, um, yeah, it, it's great. Go give it a, a, a look. patreoncom rivals by a spear. Thanks again for tuning in, and as always, go Niners. <laughs>